Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. How's everyone doing this morning? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Yes, amen. We uh, went around the group this morning and we, we said, what in one word, describe what you're sensing. And there were so many people that said excitement, joy, expectation, expansion, revelation, transformation. The list went on. So I think that's right in line with what you guys have for us today. Right? Awesome. Rick and Kamala um, are a part of our family here. And just so you guys know, they are an integral part of this church, this family. And it takes a lot of courage to go up and share your testimony and your story. And I know for these guys, they've been through a lot. But you look at their life now, and God has done an absolutely transformative work in their life and in their marriage. And so I'm honored to sit alongside you guys and do this interview with you. And I know some of this stuff is, you were telling me earlier, this is the first time you've ever shared this part of your story. So it's an honor to be a part of that. And uh, so without further ado, I'm going to start with with Rick. And I'm going to ask you, um, what do we know about Rick BC, before Christ? Rick before Christ. Okay, well, we don't have a couple months to go into all the details of that. So uh, I have a photo, if you could put it up on the screen. (laughs) <laughs> okay. okay, so this was, this was me. Uh, this was taken in probably late spring of 1986. I was 21 years old. And actually, up until a couple months ago, I didn't even know this picture existed. It surfaced on Facebook. Uh, so when you look at a picture, it doesn't really tell a whole story. And um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a snapshot of where I was in that moment when that picture was taken. I was 21 years old, and at that time, I'm going to go back from 16 till then. I totaled about four cars. I had wrecked probably just as many. Um, I had been charged and convicted of three drunk driving charges at that time, one B&E, one mischief. I had done several short bits in prison. A bit is a term, <laughs> a prison term. It's a slang word for it. You know, 7, 10, 30-day kind of bits. I uh, wasn't a stranger to a jail cell by that time. And at that point, I was awaiting trial for stealing a car. So how did I get there? Tell us. So I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to go back to my childhood. So we did not grow up in a Christian home. We were not taught in the ways of God because my parents didn't know them. Uh, My mom and dad are good people, and I love them dearly, and they did the best they knew how. We were well provided for. We had a nice home. We always had nice clothes. We were involved in sports, summer vacations. You know, we had all those great things, but we had problems as well. And alcohol abuse was a very destructive element in our family life. So at six years of age, a rebellious spirit came on me, and and it was especially towards against authority. Uh, This was pivotal for what would happen over the next 40 years of my life. At seven, I bought my first pack of cigarettes, 
At eight, I smashed all the windows out of a neighbor's car with a tire iron. And at about 10 or 11, a neighborhood friend of ours showed me his dad's Playboy magazines. We didn't just look at the magazines, we looked through them. And a spirit of lust came on me. And from that point, my view on women was distorted. I had my first encounter with the police when I was 12 years old. Uh, Me and some others smashed all the windows out of a neighbor's house in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, My brother's raising his hand. He was one of the others. (laughs) He has a testimony, too. (laughs) I got drunk and smoked pot for the first time at about 12 or 13. Alcohol provided a way for me to escape my reality. I had low self-esteem. I was insecure, didn't have an identity. Some would call that shy. At 13, I took on a lone wolf identity, and I got that from the Laverne and Shirley show. Anybody old enough to remember Laverne and Shirley? Lenny and Squiggy, they got into a fight, and Len put on Lone Wolf on the back of his coat. And I remember taking that identity, um, I'm sorry, of Lone Wolf. And, um, you know, that that was a dangerous time because what ended up happening was my heart started really getting hard. It really started getting hard. I I felt like I didn't need anybody. I didn't want anybody. And I began, I just didn't care about anything or anybody, including myself. By 16, I just wanted to party. Uh, Rock stars had become my idols by that time. And yeah, I just wanted to drink and just be in that that, uh, state of mind. So we'll go back to the photo for a minute. Because... Now that you know a little bit about my background and you see that picture, there's a bit of a story there now. And this is for somebody out there. You're looking at photos or you're comparing your life to the lives of others, primarily through photos on Facebook and social media and things like that. God created you uniquely. You were wonderfully and fearfully made and there was no one like you. And he, called, he has a plan for you. He just wants you to seek him and he will show you what that is. Okay. That's for somebody out there today. I don't know who. So at this point in time, uh, not long after this picture was taken, I would spend most of the next two and a half years in prison. Uh, At the tail end of that sentence, I was sent up to Ford Mountain Camp, which is up Chilliwack Lake Road, which still exists now. Back in those days, it didn't have barbed wire fence and fencing around it. And me and another guy, whose name happened to be Richard, got this great idea that we'd uh, had enough of this place, and we're out of here. We're, we had a great plan. <laughs> it wasn't God's. So uh, in order for us to do that, we had to get across the river, which at that time of the year, it was around April, spring runoff, the, mount, the, uh, the snow mount was happening, the river, river was swollen. And at where the point where we were going across, it looked smooth, and so we figured we could walk across it. And I got as far as my waist, and then I was taken down the river. And I ended up in some very severe rapids, and I was fighting for my life. And I knew I was drowning. I was being smashed off of boulders as I was hurled down this river. And in that moment, 
Uh, I remember just smashing off a boulder and I just, I gave up. I knew that I was dead because my lungs were full of water. I was, I was dead. I knew it and I just started, I remember sort of just giving up and my life flashed before my eyes. Everything that had ever happened to me in a blink of an eye. It's, it was, I don't know, that's the only way I can describe it to you. And then I just remember a thud and then there was a period of time with no memory. I ended up in a place, but I remember coming to a place so black, so dark, I could cut it with a knife. Now, the Lord has revealed to me where I was, and it wasn't that way. It was that way because I was in the outer regions of hell is what he showed me because I was not born again, right? Uh, I had an experience there, and when I came back into my body, and it was different than when you come out of being knocked unconscious. I've been knocked unconscious several times. (laughs) (laughs) God has healed me. And uh, I came back into my body. And this is how I was positioned over a quarter mile down the river. Nobody around in the forest. And this is how I was positioned. On dry land from my waist up. Not... You know, you'd think you'd be kind of just tossed to the side. No, God positioned me. He's shown me that what is because of people's prayers. I'm just going to get right to that. People had been praying for me. I didn't know that. He's revealed that to me since. And there was a protection. And I remember laying there, and as I, I, my body was so cold, and I just laid there for the longest time, and a force pushed all the water out of my lungs. My lungs were full of water. And it just was pushed out. And it was angels. It was God's angels that had protected me. They're all around us right now. They're in this room. Everybody has one. I had a whole bunch. Actually, at the, uh, at the Angel Union Hall, when my name came up, they're like, no, nah, I'm not taking Higginbottom, man. I've, <laughs> I've done double time with that guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there actually was witnesses to this event. Uh, and four years later, I, I just happened to be in a bar in Nelson, and this fellow by the name of El Romar came up, and he told me what he saw, and they all witnessed my body disappear into the river. And then later that night, I wrecked his car. Uh, El, if you're still alive and you're out there, forgive me <laughs> for that. <laughs> okay. So I was released from prison in September 9th of 1988. I remember that day vividly. Uh, well, I'm not going to go into details of that. So, over the next 23 years, I became a dad to three amazing kids. And I love all my children dearly. And in my brokenness, I did my best to be a good dad. However, I, I failed my children in many ways um, with my addictions and My drinking was out of control, and my life was out of control. Uh, You know, I was riding Harleys and playing in rock bands and and all that, and uh, it just wasn't fulfilling my life. I was lost. I was so lost in life. I quit drinking at 34 years old because I just couldn't do that anymore. But, uh, you know, I continued using drugs. I was a daily pot smoker, um, you know, cocaine, and anything I could get my hands on because I couldn't deal with the reality of my life. And um, the void in my heart grew. Nothing satisfied, 
my life seemed to have no meaning or purpose. Uh, life became empty and dead. And at 46, I was full of guilt. I was full of shame. I was full of condemnation. I was in a deep depression with high anxiety. I didn't even want to get out of the bed in the morning. I'm just like, what is the point of any of this? I was finished with life. I had had enough. And it was at this point when God started placing Christians into my life. And one in particular, his name was Ted. I was working with him, and he would say to me, Rick, it's time for scripture of the day. <laughs> and he'd lay a scripture on me, and at first it was, everybody, anybody know Charlie Brown teacher? That's what I was hearing, you know? But it didn't take long that that voice of God started getting loud. And it was getting louder and louder. So you got the verse of the day before you version did there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, well, this is 2010. 2010. Yes. Yeah. Jesus said to me, he said, come to me. He's saying this to all of you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I was weary and, and I was burdened. And I came to him. And I gave my life to him. And the Bible says that when you receive Jesus as your Lord, you become a new creation. Your spirit is reborn. Now, I didn't know those words in the moment that that happened. But when it happened, it was, for me, like a nuclear explosion. Um, and I knew that I knew that I knew I was not the same inside. Something supernatural had just taken place. And when I walked out of that church that day, I have never seen the world the same since. Never. He changed the way I see everything. He changed the way I hear everything. He changed my heart. Right? So it wasn't long after that that I met my lovely soon-to-be wife. Well, a couple of years of friendship. We, had, we were friends for a couple of years. But I decided when I made Jesus the Lord of my life that I was going to do things right. I was going to do things God way. I was going to do things right for a change in my life. And the Bible says that when a man, a man is to leave his mother and father and be joined with his wife and the two become one, the Bible had shown me at that time that it was very clear that sex out of the context of marriage between a man and woman is sin and the wages of sin is death. And I had had enough death in my life. I didn't want any more death. I wanted the life that Jesus came to give me. And on March 22nd of this year, Kamala and I will celebrate nine years of marriage. And I tell you, I'm a blessed man. I am a blessed man. Uh, that's, about, that's about all I got. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed that you condensed that yeah. into that amount of time. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. It wasn't Thank easy. You. <laughs> Thank you, I don't know Rick. if you know anything about me, but I like to talk. Come on. Let's, let's give it up for Rick. That, that takes a lot of courage to share that. All right. Well, Kamala, I have a question for you, and it's the same one that we asked Rick. So that is, describe your life before Christ. What did that look like? Yes, thank you. Uh, 
Well, of course, God is so funny with how he puts people together. <laughs> so my story is not the same as Rick's, but, you know, there is still a story to be told. Before Christ really knowing him, I am called a prodigal. So I was raised in a Christian home, but I had to go through a lot of stuff too, right? Not the same, but still a lot of stuff. I was rebellious, and I moved out of my parents' home when I was 18. Um, I thought I knew it all. I, I was told, I didn't want to be told anymore what I could and couldn't do because I was raised in a Christian home, so I had that guidance, right? But um, so I just took off to BC, and uh, I later got married, and I had two wonderful kids, and they're watching online, so hello to you both. <laughs> yes. But 20 years later, I was in despair, and my relationship was dissolved. And it was during that time that my folks were visiting family in Alberta. Actually, it happened to be at my grandpa's church, just to be tying that in. But I had received a call that my dad had had a heart attack and that he had passed. So I was totally devastated because I was a, I was a daddy's girl. So after that, when I got to get to Alberta and we were at the celebration of life, I um, was sitting in a vehicle and I watched his casket be put into the back of the hearse. And as I was sitting there watching that, I said, oh, my Lord, I have to get my heart right with you again so I can see him. That was my beginning journey back to God. That was my definitive turnaround moment. So even after that, once I got back to BC, the, the transition was still a long transition. So yes, you have your salvation, but God still has a lot of work to do in all of us to transform us, right? So even after that, a few months later, I, I herniated two discs in my back. So now I have this injury, and I'm so full of grief. I was full of grief. I was completely heartbroken, I was depressed, I was injured, and I was divorced. I was in turmoil. I was at my complete bottom. But you know, God whispered to me, and he said, I know the plans that I have for you. You see, his word says, yep, for God's gift and calling of God are irrevocable. My folks, they laid the way. They were evangelists. They were pastors. They were worship leaders. My grandparents were pastors too. My dad was at, his, at, at the church where he passed. So I also have a praying mother. <laughs> you know, when you leave the, leave the homestead and uh, no, praying mothers, right? Where's Norma? Norma, praying mothers. <laughs> So my roots made a difference of who I am today, and it has always been a clue to my destiny and purpose, and I want to honor the legacy that I come from, because they did clear the path for me, and they guided me in the way I should go. Our God is a God of healing and restoration. You've got to look at life's hardships and grow stronger and become better. God will never waste your pain. God waits for you no matter what your condition is. He waits for you to bring the fulfillment that he has for your life. 
That's the goodness of God. (laughs) His word says in Romans 5, we also glory in our tribulations because we know that in tribulations produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. I wanted to point something out there. Uh, Kamala went from being rock, rock bottom to becoming a Higginbottom. <laughs> oh boy. Only God could do that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> wow. Good. That, Good. that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing, Kamala. That was very powerful. It was a very powerful word. All right. Well, the second question that I have for you is, which Bible character do you identify with the most and why? I love that question. Um, Pastor Shar preached on a message a couple months ago. So it got me to dive into who this character is. And I identify with Deborah in Judges 4 and 5. She was a woman who had authority, and she was also a woman under authority. She had a sense of responsibility greater than herself. She was one of the judges of Israel and during the time of oppression, and God used her to deliver his messages to the people. She was middle-aged, and she was married. And she had likely gone through many seasons in her life before she became all that the scripture details. I relate to this because the call of God is progressive. He will mature you gradually, gradually into the fullness of his plan using all of your life experiences. The call of God takes time to develop, and I went through many seasons of development, learning the word of God through personal study, through attending church. My favorite is serving, and last year I finished Bible school. Yeah. Yeah, so good. So he leads you where you should go, and that's why we got here to College Street. You know, it's GPS. It's God's positioning system. (laughs) And as Pastor Matt always says, alignment before assignment. Well, we are so honored and grateful for our pastors. Yes. Absolutely. Which Bible character? So there's a couple. So. I'll quickly just, the the first one would be Paul, who was Saul, because God changed his name from Saul to Paul. Well, God changed my name from Wreck to Rick. (laughs) And that's so true. But I really really connect with Joseph. Um, Joseph had a lot of difficulties in his life, and, and I can relate to that. But the difficulties that Joseph went through were developing his character for the incredible calling that God had on his life. So it has taken years of preparation for me to be ready for the calling that God has on my life. And he's always preparing. He's always doing things. But there was a lot of work that needed to be done uh, based on what you guys heard a little bit about my story. I had to go through a lot of deep healing, deliverance, a lot of refining, going through the fire. Um... God has turned my mess into a message, and he'll do the same for you. He will do that for you. Joseph knew that God was always with him, and he glorified God through it all. And that just set a good example for me. So 
the Bible says that God will never leave thee or forsake you in Hebrews 13.5. He'll never leave you. I know God is with me. He's right here in this journey, walking with me, giving me the strength and the courage and determination to do the things he's calling me to do and calling me and Kamala to do together, individually and corporately. Uh, he said he'd never leave me. And I believe that. And he has proven himself faithful all the time. God is faithful. So good. Thanks, Rick. All right, Kamala, what is one Bible verse? I know you have so many. (laughs) One Bible verse that has carried you through. Well, thank you. That's for sure. It's, It's for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So Jeremiah 29, 11. So I want you to take a look also later on. Go back to the word, Jeremiah 29, 11, And I want you to look at the 12 to 14. Because first, he gives you the promise. His promise is verse 11. I know the plans I have for you. That's his promise. So, But then he also gives us instructions after that. He says, you know what? I want you to pray. And I want you to seek. And I want you to seek with all of your heart. Right? Then you will find him, and it's then that he will bring you out of your captivity. He will bring you out of your bondage. He will bring you out of your pain. He will bring you out of your sorrow. So it's been a staple scripture, my whole, my whole walk with the Lord, because he healed me. He healed my spirit, he healed my soul, and he healed my body, right? He showed me that my purpose was God's unique and specific original reason for my existence, It's interesting that history doesn't record time. It records purpose. Purpose uses time to take it to the future. Purpose is your why, your source of the vision. And before he reveals your purpose, you must know your identity. It's not just who you are, but it's whose you are. You know, your purpose is what God has called you to do. So a purpose will motivate you, and it'll keep your priorities straight, right? It will develop your potential, and it will give you the power to live in the present. That's good. So true. Well, Rick, I know this is going to be a tough one for you, because if you've ever played with a super soaker, you know that, <laughs> that, that you're going to get a whole lot of water on you. Now, Rick is a walking, talking super scripture. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he lives it, he walks it, he breathes it. But yeah. I know you know a lot of scripture, but what is one Bible verse that has carried you through over the years? You know, the, the number one verse for me right from the start was Romans 12, 2. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, I like the NLT version. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Well, that was my whole life. I was copying everything, right? Rock stars, and then the list goes on. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I had to change the way I thought. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. My mind was a mess, at 46 years old. I was living in the past of guilt, shame, condemnation, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I had created this alter, really distorted future and was missing out on the now. My, my head was just an absolute mess. 
the day that I got born again, the day that uh, Jesus became Lord of my life, I got a hold of this scripture and I just started right then and there, started getting into the word and meditating on the words. God showed me I needed to replace the old worldly thoughts with his thoughts. I needed to renew my mind. I needed to think like God. Why? Before Jesus, my life had no foundation. We need to make the word our foundation. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law or the word of God depart from what? Your mouth. But meditate in it day and night that you may do according to all that is written in it. The Bible is an instruction manual, the, the, the acronym for Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> it also contains thousands of his promises for us. Right? For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And I can tell you from my own life and experience and walking it out for the last 12 years, it's true. I mean, we are living in prosperity, not just by money. I mean, peace, joy, purpose, meaning, right? We have an amazing family here. Uh, just so many things. We are just blessed in so many ways. Uh, they're innumerable. We praise Jesus for that. We give him all the glory for that. All right, Kamala, this is the last question. Um, so what, what advice would you have, or what would you say to someone who is going through what, what you went through, who experienced what you ex have experienced? That's good. I would say to you that your pain will lead you to your purpose. Rick, you're going to have to keep this to one sentence. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what would I you say? To. What would you say to someone who's going through what you have gone through? Simply this. Your past does not define you. Okay. Would everybody please stand with me and Kamala? Thank you. It does not matter where you come from, what you have done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and he paid the penalty for your sins, for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Think about that. When he went to the cross, all of our sins were in the future. You just need to receive it. It's the work's done. It's out there for you. You just need to receive it and take it, the gift that he's given you. If that is you today, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Romans 10.9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <laughs> it's that simple. God did not make this difficult for us. We just simply need to believe. So, would everybody please bow your head, close your eyes, and let's all say this together. Let's repeat this simple prayer with me. Dear God, I know that I have sinned. Please forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am now a child of God. I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord, I give you my life. Do something with it. And I give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we'll just stay in this moment with your heads down. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, could you give me a thumbs up, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you just recommitted your life, you prayed that prayer and you recommitted your life back to Jesus. Can I get a thumbs up from you? Thank you. I want you to know that right now, there is a celebration in heaven. So let's celebrate with heaven. Thank you, Lord. At College Street, we believe in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16, 20. As you can see in the back here, they are pulling off the lid, lifting the lid. We have a baptism tank right here in the tank, in the stage. Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the first steps in discipleship is baptism. Every Sunday, we fill this tank out of faith and obedience, giving someone an opportunity to step in and leave behind their old self. Something absolutely amazing happens when you come out of that water. In the book of Romans chapter 6, it says that when we are baptized, we are baptized with Christ. When we go under the water, it represents when Christ went into the grave. We are buried with Christ, our old self, and our old, our old ways. When we come out of the water, we are resurrected with Christ. Whew. Paul said in Acts twenty two sixteen. and now what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Is this your next step? Is God calling you to come down here and get baptized? Listen to him. Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. If that is you today, Kamala and I would be honored to baptize you. So let us worship together, and Kamala and I will be right over there. And if that is you and you would like to get baptized, just come on over and see us, and we will do that for you. All right, let's worship our God. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.